This is Sports Talk with Jack Wilson on News Talk 770, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. And for the last time this season, we say good evening to our football insider, Glenn Suter for Japanese Village. Mr. Suter, how are you? I am well. How are you, Jock? I guess everyone's recovered from a big Grey Cup week. Well, here's my thought on tonight's show. I want to make this like Grey Cup week because, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a memorable season, but we want to end with a bang. And then that's exactly how Grey Cup week ended. Maybe it lacked a little atmosphere during the week, but last impressions are everything, Glenn. And the last impression from Grey Cup week was an outstanding game in front of a sold-out crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, you know, I would say top five Grey Cups of all time. Uh, I know Calgary fans are disappointed mm-hmm. with the result, but, boy, they they battled back. Um, you know, I guess everyone was, well, I don't guess, everyone was shocked to see the big lead for Ottawa early. Um, but, you know, Ottawa were professional all week, focused all week. They weren't intimidated by a 15-win record. And went out and did their thing. You know, they ran their offense. And Henry Burris, uh, with the drama and the theater, and was he going to start? Is he not going to start? Hurt his knee, had to get it frozen. Thumbs up with about two minutes to kick off to the training staff. Hits the field and goes down and scores in his first drive. And you're thinking, okay, well, or one of the first drives. And you're you're thinking, well, we've got a game again right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... It, it had everything that we love about the game of football. It really did. It was one of those championships. Well, I, I go back to the very first possession for Ottawa, and you nailed it, because there was question marks around, you know, Henry Burris and his availability and how much pain was he really in. I guess we will never know because, you know, we don't live in his body. But here's the situation. On that opening play, he, he, he does the lateral pass, and it's, it's a disaster. You know, it's now a second and 21. And this sort of, to me, defined the way the game was going to go. Second and 21, he rips a pass in, completes it for a first down. And how many times did he do that during the game? The second down conversion rate was off the charts for Henry Burris. And I'm impressed, and I'm sure everybody in Ottawa is impressed. And Calgary Stampeder fans may be disappointed, but that, you know, was uh, was something to set for the, for the ages. You know, 41-year-old yeah, doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think... You know, that narrative was a storyline going in and a storyline throughout the game. And I think it's something that we can all sort of learn from, honestly. I, what, what's the lasting impression for me, and I think will always be, is no matter what you do in life, no matter you know where you're going, what you're working at, whether you're an athlete or trying to get that job or that promotion or whatever it is, you know, you have been told at some time in your life that you're not good enough, that you're not going to make it, mm-hmm. that you can't do it, that the other guy that's trying out for that job is better than you. Um, you know, it, it starts in school. There is the doubters, and even sometimes it's teachers and coaches that say, don't try because you're not going to get there. And that was the theme of this team and this game because the Red Blacks, no one gave them a shot as a team. Burris, and you'd look at how many times people have said that he should retire, hang them up, that he was done, that 41 is too old. He can't do it at 41. But what we learned from it is if you believe, if you stick with your teammates, you don't get intimidated by the opponent or what they've accomplished, 
and you just go out and, and do your thing, take small steps at a time. Sometimes you have to recover from bad decisions and bad plays, but you just keep with it. And that's what they did. I think that's a lesson that we can all learn from, really. You know, don't let anybody tell you you can't. And, and that was the theme going into that Grey Cup for a lot of reasons. Even the fact that it was played in Toronto, Jock, that, you know, it, it was, again, even up to two or three days before kickoff. You know, Toronto can't do this. They're not going to pull it off. They're not going to have a full stadium. It's, you know, and again, all the doubters were there. The stadium was packed. It was loud. It was fantastic. And Ottawa said, go ahead and tell me I can't and watch me get motivated from within and go out and prove you wrong. And that's exactly what they did. And I think we can all learn from it. When someone tells you you can't, don't listen to them. Keep working at it. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, what? what is now totally intriguing to me, Glenn, is we are heading into the 105th Grey Cup Championship game next year in Ottawa. Ottawa has sort of created this interesting scenario with Trevor Harris, now Henry Burris. I don't know where you weigh in. I know we talked a little bit about this last Friday night when you joined us. You know, is this the swan song for Henry? Is this the way he goes out on top? Because every athlete's dream to end up on top. But, you know, with Ottawa hosting the 105th championship on Canada's 150th birthday, ah, I I know Henry Mm -hmm. Burris, and this guy loves to play the game. I I just don't see a situation where he retires. Yeah, don't don't rule them out of anything, right? No. <laughs> I mean, never again. Um, my gut feeling, and I, you know, I I talked to Henry during the week, during Grey Cup week, as you did, and and all the media, and you know, I think he had the same answer for all of us, mm-hmm. which was he's going to talk to his family over the next month. Um, his kids are getting older, so that's a real, you know, that's really pulling him to the retirement side of this equation. But if I were just to say, go with my gut feeling. I'd say he's going to retire. I really do. Really? And, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think he will. I, I think that he's got some business opportunities in the city of Ottawa. He will be part of the media, part of television, part of radio probably when he retires, even if it's not this year. Um, he, I th- you know, I think those offers are on the table. He's got that knee injury now, and there is some discussion already that he might need surgery on that. You know, at 41, if you're going in for knee surgery in the offseason and not even able to train to keep your body in shape, I think that would sort of cement it. But, again, I'm not going to rule him out of anything, Jock, but if, if, if it's just going off gut feeling, I think he walks away a champion, he retires, and he's got lots of opportunities outside of the game and staying involved with the game if he does that. I really believe he will. Still looking to get his Canadian citizenship, I believe. That's not a done deal yeah. yet, so we'll uh, see how that one plays out. Glenn Suter's our CFL insider. Let's talk about the Calgary Stampeders because, as you are aware, it's the number one hot-button topic here in Calgary, the call, and that's all we're calling it right now. Uh, Calgary Stampeders have a chance to win the game. It is second and two. Bo Levi Mitchell, not on the field. Jerome Messam, the outstanding Canadian, not on the field. Uh, of course, it's a great debate here in Calgary, Glenn. Where do you weigh in? Was this a coaching error? Yeah, it was a mistake. And, um, you know, I I can't sugarcoat that. I, I, I'll preface it, though, by saying, you know, Dave Dickinson, outstanding coach, uh, fantastic in all aspects, whether it be motivating his own team, 
bringing them together and creating that family atmosphere in the room, uh, preparing in the X's and O's and making sure that the game management is spot on game in and game out. You know, you for a rookie coach, how many mistakes did Dave Dickinson make in game during the season? I, I can't count any. I mean, I can't count any real glaring mistakes, but conventional wisdom on the two yard line, you know, here, here's why you do that. I think as a coach, as a coach, you're looking for tendency breakers. You're looking to say, you know, we put our short yardage uh, team in, in these scenarios all season long. Why would we do it again? That's the first one. Then to, to have Andrew Buckley roll out and try and pass is a, is a tendency breaker. They have shown this all year on the goal line. They're going to pinch. They're going to try and crash down from the outside and Buckley's going to be wide open outside the edge with the choice to run or pass, two options, and there should be a wide open Anthony Parker in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Well, Anthony Parker was covered, and Abdul Kane caught him from behind. Um, but that's why Dave would have done that. It's because it's a tendency breaker, and you, you go and you, you fool him. But conventional wisdom says you've got a 260-pound back on the two-yard line who just carried pretty much the entire Ottawa defense down to that two-yard line on his shoulders. You give it to him, you let him slam it in there and see if, if he can get it done. And if you can't, you give credit to the Ottawa defense and you kick the field goal to go into overtime. And, uh, you know, we can, we can sugarcoat it. We can say, uh, you know, that Buckley should have done this or, or they should have left Bo in. That was their short yardage team, but I'm turning around and giving it to my 260-pound back. You know, it it just, it's a mistake. It's yeah. just a mistake. Conventional wisdom, give your back a chance. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks are gonna are still answering that same question from the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Glenn, we got a jam-packed phone board tonight. People want to weigh in and uh, talk to you tonight. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, Sandy, Don, Barry, we're going to get to your calls in a second here. This is Sports Talk with Jock. He is our CFL insider joining us for the last time this season. Last chance, really, to uh, talk to Glenn. Uh, reset the 20, uh, the, sorry, the 2016, yeah, the 104th Great Cup Championship game. Uh, 403-974-TALK, 403-974-8255. We'll get to your calls when we come back. Back on News Talk 7-7. 16 season for our CFL insider Glenn Suter coming up at 7.30 tonight. We've got Hockey Hall of Famer Daryl Sittler. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in town tomorrow night. Just a reminder, Daryl Sittler now signing some autographs. He's out at Indigo Signal Hill. He'll be there until 8.30 tonight uh, signing autographs. Well, we do have our CFL insider and we've got a jam-packed phone board here. So why don't we go to the phone lines right now. Sandy, you're up first. You're on the air with Glenn Suter. Hi. I uh, just say an observation I thought about the game was uh, Calgary seemed to throw that bo- uh, game away. They uh, they should have outplayed them, should have been uh, you know hit for hit, throw for throw, but they weren't even there. Seems to me a defensive back should be looking over his shoulder as he's uh, guarding the uh, uh, receiver. Not a chance. Three passes just like that. The back turned to the quarterback. Sandy, I appreciate the call. And Glenn, I will say this. I was stunned with the Stampeders' performance in the first half because everything that I, you know, and and I was on my high horse saying the Calgary Stampeders are going to win this game like so many other people. And I just thought the Calgary Stampeders had a better defense. I thought they had a better offense. I thought they were better special teams-wise. Well, guess what? In that first half, they lost all three phases of the game. And full marks to the Ottawa Red Blacks. 
Yeah, no, they did. You know, but I, I wasn't surprised that Henry Burris and Ernest Jackson and Greg Ellingson and Brad Sinopoli were moving the ball. I mean, they, they have done that against good teams all year. I mean, they tied Calgary in the regular season 26 all in their first matchup. So, you know, I, I wasn't surprised to see that. What surprised me was Bo Levi Mitchell and some of the decisions he made early in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those throws where the the Ottawa Red Black secondary was playing deep and, and playing well off in their zone drops. And Bo just decided to throw it up and, and sort of hope that his receiver would make a remarkable a uh, remarkable catch between two defenders. And, um, you know, I, he just has not throughout his career made those decisions. Now he regrouped and came back in the second half. And, you know, you saw the old bow back, but there were some decisions that he made that I've just never seen him make to, to just kind of throw it deep and hope and not throw it with accuracy. And I'll say this, and this is not an excuse and they'll never use it. But losing Markway McDaniel that early was devastating. I agree. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. No, uh, you're, you're exactly right. He's been the go-to guy with Bo all season long. It was a big play that he got hurt on. The 51-yarder uh, just came down, uh, you know, on his shoulder the wrong way. And as soon as you heard that he was out, you go, uh-oh, that's uh, not a good situation. But, yeah, it was uncharacteristic, the mistakes the Stampeders made early. The interceptions you talked about, Roy Finch puts the ball in the ground. Rene Paredes takes a really stupid penalty on the sidelines. You know, uh, he wasn't even on the field at the time. Uh, those are the kind of things that you just didn't see from the Calgary Stampeders all season long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, and, and I, I think the one again that keeps jumping out to me is Bo. I mean, you know, a fumble can happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what Renee was thinking on the sideline, <laughs> just lost his mind for a second, <laughs> but it just, you know, and again, he, he bounced back. So you, you knew he was going to, it was just those first few series in the first half and, and basically the entire first half, you thought, when is he snapping out of this? Uh, and it's funny because at halftime, the first thing he said, it starts with me. It was our, it was our interview with him right at halftime at TSN. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he looked right into the camera and said, it starts with me. I, I just, I've got to get locked in. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's explained what happened or maybe he doesn't even know. But let's give credit to Ottawa as well. Uh, they, they switched things up. They played deeper. They dropped deep in their zone coverages. And he tried to force it. It is amazing what Ottawa has done in a short period of time. You know, I, I say four years because they started putting that team together four years ago, and it starts at the top with Marcel Desjardins, obviously the hiring of uh, Rick Campbell three years in, and they win a Great Cup championship. That is uh, outstanding work done by the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks organization. Let's go to Don. Don, you're on the air with Glenn Suter. Thanks very much for taking my call, Jock. Hi, Glenn. Uh, wonderful Grey Cup. Uh, disappointing, obviously. I'm a season ticket holder. I enjoyed this year immensely. Dave did a great job in his initial year. I'm looking forward to next year. That being said, uh, I wanted to ask you, fellas, I have one observation about the Grey Cup, apart from the, the controversial two-yard two line change. In overtime, uh, the Red Blacks started first, as you know, and they uh, Henry got uh, a first down, so he, he got uh, he started at the 35, got down much closer to the goal line, and then uh, uh, went in for the touchdown. Whereas on his very first play at, at the 35-yard line, uh, uh, Bo Levi threw right into the you know tore it right at the end zone. He had a 35-yard pass. 
Uh, Almost which, caught by Kamar Jordan, but it wasn't, yeah? Well, I, I know, mm-hmm. but I guess, the, I guess the point I'm making, I wanted to feel you guys out on it, was I've always been led to believe that uh, if there's no time limit, which there isn't on overtime, you keep getting first downs, so you get to the goal line or you run out of a first, you know, run out of downs, uh, wouldn't, it have been, wouldn't it have been smarter for him to throw a, you know, a, a 10, 15 yard pass to get, a, get, get much closer to the goal line and then go for a, a 10, 15, 20 yard pass rather than going for a 35 yard pass? I think the percentage chance of a success would be much better with a shorter pass, would it not have been? Mm hmm. Well, it's true. I mean, the the deep ball is is the lowest percentage pass that you can that you can attempt. Uh, it's it's difficult to complete. Sometimes it's difficult to complete without coverage when you're playing against air in practice. But uh, and and conventional wisdom again says you run your offense because there is no time. The time is irrelevant other than the twenty second clock. So you can run your offense. That means you can continue to run Jerome Messam or get him out of the backfield for those swing passes, things like that. But part of Calgary's offense, when it's been there, have, has been the deep route, been that corner route. Um, again, not having Markway McDaniel in the number one receiver position in the Calgary offense. It's the most important spot. And to have to rotate new guys in there, and I'm not blaming the, the guys like Bakari Grant and Kamar Jordan who – you know, did a did a good job and did their best, but they're not Markway McDaniel when it comes to the chemistry between he and Bo. And and you know, maybe that was one of the reasons that Bo thought he would just try and hit the deep route, get that that touchdown back. Um, but again, Kamar Jordan was covered. It wasn't like he was running free and they just missed him. He was covered well on the play and would have had to make a real tough catch. So. Um, you know, it goes back to those decisions that you just haven't seen with Bo throughout his career, really, his so, entire career. So true. Don, really appreciate the call. Let's take one more call here. Barry, you're on the air with Glenn Suter. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder as well, and I was in Toronto, and the game was magical. It, it was fantastic. It was excellent. There was drama, intrigue. It was exciting. It was on the edge of your seat right to the last moment. Couldn't ask for a better experience. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was beautiful. And if Kamal Jordan ca- makes that catch, does he become Tony Champion? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like it, 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 you know, no broken ribs, mind you, but he's he's a superstar at that point. Yeah. Um, my my question is towards the the coverage that TSN brought and the stadium itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other professional sports league in in any in any part of the world here would run a field that's half turf and half grass. There was a Lavoie's touchdown. There was a defensive back that slipped in the end zone because he's running on uh, grass, grass cleats. Uh, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's Bush League. It's uh, Edmonton Minor League uh, Baseball. Um, is, is TSN, CFL, anything going to be done to ensure that this type of thing doesn't happen again? Um, one other thing, TSN was showing um, introductory coverage with um, uh, Carter front and center. Carter's not in the league any longer. I know he will be, but he's not in the league anymore. Why can't we support and promote our own stars that we have that are playing currently? Uh, good stuff, Barry. Thanks are, for the call. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Barry. As, uh, uh, is it Deron Carter? Uh, Deron about? Carter that, that he was talking about. Yeah, I guess it's just some of the, uh, yeah, the previous part, stuff. Part of, that, part of that coverage, Barry, is that um, we'll have our CFL insiders, much like you see in hockey. And, the, you know, the hockey insiders are talking about 
potential free agents. They're talking about quarterbacks that um, may end up becoming free agents in February. Uh, the talk about whether or not Scott Milenovich and Jim Barker could be fired in Toronto. All of those sort of news stories, and sometimes they include players that aren't on a roster at this point, but could be uh, coming up the next year. They're called sort of the insider segments, and that's why we do there. As far as the field goes, uh, you know, I, I understand and I hear you. I, I think BMO Field is ideal for football. It's it's the right capacity. It's the right location in Toronto. It's a beautiful stadium with covered stands so the fans can be comfortable, but yet open air, off the lake. It is it is really ideal for Canadian football, and, and it's going to take time for them to – you know, get it back to where they need to, over 20,000 a game, and that's going to take four or five years. But the field has been the transition between soccer, and they, believe me, the soccer guys are I, – I tweeted out, here, here's how anal they are about the field. I tweeted out that they hire a hawk, okay? The BMO <laughs> field maintenance crew hire a hawk to make sure seagulls don't leave a mess on the field. <laughs> Because it's bad for the grass part. And, and so they actually, this is a regular thing. And they, it's a real thing. They hide, <laughs> I thought that's taking field maintenance to a new level. Anyway, I, I think ideally, yes, obviously you want grass all the way through to the end zones. And hopefully they make that transition as it goes on. But, uh, you know, a player slipping on grass or slipping on turf or whatever, that's, you know, yeah, that, it's that, uh, it's 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 the same for both teams. It's uh, you know, exactly. There, there, there exactly. you go. Hey, Glenn, we're out of time, but I want to say thank you so much for your time all season long. This has been one of my funnest features of the season. Great insight, and I know we got uh, you know the football broadcast again next year. So looking forward to having you again on next year too. I've loved every minute of it, guys. Thanks to the listeners. Have a safe holiday throughout Christmas and all that. I know that's right around the corner. And Jock. Anytime in the offseason that something breaks or the quarterbacks move around or whatever happens, let's do a hit. Let's hey. get back on and, and we'll get it done. Thanks I appreciate a lot. I've that. I've enjoyed it all year. I appreciate that. Uh, good, good luck to you and your family and uh, have a great holiday yourself. Thanks, Jock. Glenn Suter, our CFL insider. On Sports Talk with Jock, we've got Daryl Sittler coming your way next if you're a Leafs fan. Sports Talk with Jock. Weekdays from 630 to 8 p.m. on News Talk 770 Calgary. CHQR.